You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome back to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson. Greetings. Alan Seiler. How's it going? And Veronica Daschle. Hi. Oh, Alan didn't try and copy I did me. not. I, I did was, not. I was getting ready to go through really fast, and then halfway through, I was like, he's not doing anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> you gotta no. keep him guessing. Yeah, exactly. I'm letting letting you get your guard down. <laughs> Never. Never. All right. Well, let's get to the news because we've got some stuff to talk about. Yeah. And one of those things just came out today. Um, there's a company that uh, most people are familiar with called Big Finish. Mm-hmm. They are mostly known for their Doctor Who work. Uh, they are a company that does full cast audio dramas. And they have been doing Doctor Who stuff for a long, long time. Um, and uh, there's a character on Doctor Who called Martha Jones. And they have just announced, well, they announced that they were going to do a, a new series with her. But the cover art and cast list for the first one just came out today. And I'm so excited to say that Marina Sirtis is now part of the Hooniverse. What? It's exciting. Right? I am so excited. So awesome. I, I wasn't like super into like buying this series. I love Martha. She's a great character, but I just wasn't like planning on buying it. And so today I saw a tweet with the cover art and it was just a little thumbnail. And I was like, that looks like Marina Sirtis. <laughs> and in fact, it is. So now I'm like, well, now I've got to buy it. Obviously. Now, did right. you get any, any information as to who she's playing? No. So here's the thing. It's a box set of three. It's a three disc set. So there's going to be three probably hour long episodes that do sort of a story arc. And Marina is playing a character called Karen, Mm. which I don't know if that means she's going to be calling a manager or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But there's so far no story details or character details have been released. Only Mm. the title of the three episodes in this series. Uh, the cool thing is that Marina, you know, was born and grew up in London and she grew up watching Doctor Who. And she says her doctor was the first doctor, William Hartnell. Wow. So that's so exciting. And yeah. there's another really cool connection uh, between uh, this particular iteration of Doctor Who and Star Trek in that Freema Adjaman, uh, who, you know, played Martha in the series and has gone on to do a ton of stuff since then. Um she used to work before she was famous, worked at Blockbuster and would go to Star Trek conventions. Oh, wow. I know. Right. So uh, I'm really excited that this is all kind of happening the way it is. And so that that just came out today and I'm excited to see what it's going to be like. So. Yeah. I know, I know that Marina had just recently moved back to London. So it sounds like she didn't waste any time when she got there. She's yeah. <laughs> jumping right in. <laughs> Right. And I just wonder if they have talked to her before about doing stuff. And, you know, now that she's there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe she got there and she was like, all right, what iconic sci-fi properties are here? (laughs) Take it over. What thing have I not conquered yet? Right. (laughs) Um, So the next thing is um, a couple of 
uh, book releases. The first is from Eagle Moss, who is a fantastic company that are most known for their like starship uh, statuettes, like figurine kind of things. And they do these serialized releases, uh, but they also have a really impressive book line. And uh, they have a book called Starfleet Ships 2294 Through the Future. And they are just going to be releasing a uh, expanded and updated version of that book, which is going to cover all the new ships that we have seen in Discovery Season 3 and Picard Season 1. Wow. It's a 280-page book, and it retails for $35, and it will be out this coming Tuesday, August 24th. Oh. So one day after this episode comes out. Yeah, that, that's pretty exciting, especially the 32nd century stuff for Discovery, because you have all those crazy yeah. future ships. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, if anybody's not seen uh, Eagle Moss's book line, it is really nice. I mean, mm. they have done some incredibly well-illustrated reference guides that are just amazing. So I would definitely wow. check that out. And secondarily, we have uh, coming up about a month later, Titan Comics is releasing a new nonfiction, really nicely illustrated paperback called Star Trek Villains. And that is a mix of, it uh, looks like some of their comic book art with photographic uh, illustrations from shows and movies on all the iconic uh, villains throughout Star Trek history. Wow. And that will be out on September 21st. It's 176 pages and retails for $25. Hmm. The other thing I'll worry about with that is I'm going to be going through it saying, well, th this person wasn't a villain, just a misunderstood antagonist. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, think this person qualifies to be a villain. But that's a okay. good point. That's exciting, though. And and I, the, um, the uh, what was the word? The, it starts with I. You just said it. Iteration? No. Uh, like the popular, it sounded like you're the popular vill villain. So I was like, but what about the nice iconic? Iconic. Look, I know words. Thank you, Alan. Precious. <laughs> what about the non-iconic aliens? I almost I mean, said aliens. <laughs> it's only 176 pages, so I doubt there's room for too yeah. many of the non-iconic. Maybe that's going to be in the next volume. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, make sure you buy it, and then they'll have to keep going. Obviously, <laughs> exactly. Um. This past weekend was uh, the big Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, mm. and there was a lot of stuff that happened there. But of note, Robert Beltran sort of spilled the beans that he has done some voice work for Prodigy. Mm -hmm. Now, he didn't exactly say that he's coming back as Chakotay, but what else would they hire him for? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So clearly Chakotay is going to be appearing at some point in Prodigy. And that actually gives us some hints, too, because even if he's appearing as a hologram, that would indicate that the USS Protostar was launched after Voyager got back mm -hmm. and not during the because Captain Janeway looks basically like she looked in season one at the, yes. or, or in the pilot. So, you know, theoretically, that hologram could have been created before Voyager even left. Mm -hmm. So the Protostar could have launched any time. But if Chakotay's there as well, they wouldn't have created a hologram of Chakotay the Maquis. You know what I mean? Like exactly. <laughs> you, you would assume that. I, I just think it's interesting. It gives us a possible launch date for the Protostar as far as where that ship falls in the timeline. But also, we know that there are some other Starfleet characters in this show. True. Whether that be some holographic crew in recreations that the uh, that the teenage characters have to go through, or if it's Starfleet trying to find this experimental ship. Hmm. And if that's the case, then Chakotay could certainly be in on a mission of like search and rescue kind of thing. 
That's true. That's true. Or they could have been listening to our podcast and they have Robert Beltran playing a Kazon just to make all your dreams come true. Boom. <laughs> Perfect casting. So I want to I want to know if that ship is going to be in the book. No, I would. No, I would expect not. Lame. Because it's about Picard and Discovery season three. Ooh. Right. It's it's all the ships from like 24th century, 20 or right. late 23rd, 24th century up through uh, what we've seen on screen so far. Yeah. And not, they're not going to want to reveal the ship. In a exactly. Book. Boo. <laughs> right. Oh, I know. Because it could, you know, it could include stuff from Disco season four also. But no, it did specify three and Picard one. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we have a company called XO6. And they have unveiled a new one-six scale bust of Janeway, mm-hmm. which is nice because it's a good tie-in for uh, Prodigy. It's a good time to be releasing that kind of item. Um, incredibly detailed. Yeah, this is a really, really well done bust that m- may look like Janeway, or her stunt it's- double, or a stunt double. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so it's incredibly well detailed, but the likeness is close. Let's yeah. say. These XO sixes, I bet the Picard one was that way too. That it looks like you could tell it's supposed to be Picard. It doesn't look like Patrick Stewart to me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just surprising to me given these what is these a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, and they're like mm-hmm. you said, they're insanely detailed. And yeah, to the point that I thought, well, I wonder if they just couldn't get the actor like like likenesses, you know, <laughs> like the rights, you know what I mean? Maybe right. they had to make it a little different because uh but the Picard one and the Janeway one, like neither of them looked that i don't know maybe it's me maybe someone else will will look at it and see and think it's spot on you know well i think it's absolutely recognizable yeah you know and maybe it's one of those things that you know you see a photograph of it but when you see the actual piece from a certain angle it looks Mm. like dead on yeah that who knows that's true that's true (laughs) so that means you always have to display it from that angle so people (laughs) will see it that way no look at it from over here (laughs) right And one final item, and that is uh, a new trailer was released today for Apple TV's new adaptation of Isaac Asimov's Foundation, mm-hmm. which, A, the trailer looks spectacular. Everything yes. that we've seen from uh, this series so far just looks incredible. Mm-hmm. The Trek connection there is that episodes eight and nine are directed by Roxanne Dawson, who, of yeah. course, everyone knows as Bailana from Voyager. Yeah, she's a big deal. She is. Yeah. She and she and uh, Robbie Duncan McNeil both have had just enormous uh, mm-hmm. careers since leaving that show, uh, mainly focusing on directing and producing. And they have both. They're just, you know, dynamos. Yeah. And that's one of those things that sort of came out of that next gen era of shows. Yes. They had the, the director's training camp, basically, where they would yep. the actors could learn to direct and shadow a director and direct episodes. And you mm-hmm. have some great TV directors that are hugely influential now that came out of that. But also they had that open script policy where you had people like Ron Moore yeah. off the street who, you know, right. like, like you can look at this, the state of sort of TV and sci fi today. And it just there's a ton of linkages back mm-hmm. to that next gen DS9 Voyager era writers rooms. Absolutely. And and I mean, that's an incredible way to to run a show yeah. where you are investing in the talent that you have in mm-hmm. new and different ways and and develop them into, a, you know, a much bigger career than they might have had. I yeah. think it's fantastic. So I'm really excited. Uh, a for the series itself because foundation is a great it's you know an iconic book oh yeah but uh this show just looks amazing and i can't wait to see what roxanne has done with her episodes yeah and i hopefully they'll get her back in trek one day if, they, if she can get in her schedule absolutely i mean robbie did it so certainly she can too 
All right. That's all I got for the news today. All right. Keith, you had some This Week in Trek for us this week. Uh, yeah, just a, a couple of things here. The first off in um, in this week in, or this week in Trek history, which uh, a fairly significant thing is yesterday, August 18th, 1992, principal photography started on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. With oh, yeah. First, uh, yeah, right. The Emissary, which is... I just I, I think in a lot of ways, probably as um, significant a development in track history as the next generation, because, you mm-hmm. know, as we know, the next generation was the experiment because so many people said it was going to fail and so many fans hated it before it even started. And of course, it came become a beloved show. And then Deep Space Nine right after that was an experiment because it was the whole thing about it was a space station. And there are still people who say it didn't go anywhere. And then there was the whole thing about is it really Trek? So I think that's a, it's a kind of a significant anniversary. Now there are so many people who thought they were going to hate it, who say Deep Space Nine is their favorite Star Trek episode, or at least like it. Um, so kind of a kind of a big thing. For me, back in the day, I knew Avery Brooks as Hawk from Spencer for Hire. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And also Avery Brooks, there used to be a thing in Atlanta called, um, uh, it was, um, it was a cultural event. It was a black arts festival that was held every two years. And I, one year, Avery Brooks was the master of ceremonies and I went to see the opening thing. And people may not know that Avery Brooks is a professor of music. He's an accomplished singer at Rutgers. Uh, He's a professor at Rutgers university and he came here and he sang and that man, that man's got a golden voice. I tell you, he was he was great. So mm-hmm. that was uh, that was fantastic. So that was in 1992, and then just a couple of birthdays of note. Uh, back up just one one thing because um, I didn't do this last week. But um, Laurel Goodwin, her birthday was August 10th, 1942, and people may go, "Who in the world is Laurel Goodwin?" She played Yeoman Colt on mm-hmm. the Cage, the original episode of Star Trek. Um, mm-hmm. And also in the Menagerie, the redone. And I always, I've always found those people fascinating because there's so many people on that original crew where we kind of go, gosh, what would it have been like if they had been around? Yeah. Um, I, I always liked her. She didn't have a lot of speaking lines. For those who may not quite remember, she was the one that the Telosians ultimately wanted to. Well, she was one of two choices of a mate for Captain Pike when they were talking about him procreating. Uh, that was 1942. Another one I want to go back, I missed last week was August 13th, which is significant now is Don Lewis hmm. was born on August 13th, 1960. And Don Lewis, of course, is Captain Freeman in yeah. Lower Decks. Wow. Is, yeah, kind of fascinating. Um, 1938. On this date, August 19th, Diana Moldar was Oh, yay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, yeah, another incredible track veteran. She has the distinction of being on three different uh, three different roles in Star Trek. She first guested in the episode Return to Tomorrow, which is the famous episode where Kirk and them mm-hmm. basically discover the being the super beings with the super minds who I love that episode. That is a yeah. great episode. Mm-hmm. Kirk gets taken over by one guy. Um and then Spock turns evil. Um, she played a um, Anne Mulhall in that episode. Then they liked her so much, she was brought back in the episode, which is an interesting connection to the Star Trek shows we're talking about now, which is, is there in truth no beauty? Mm-hmm. Where she played the, the blind Earth telepath, Dr. Miranda Jones, who had formed a telepathic bond with the Medusa and Carlos, the, yep. from the race of people who are supposedly so, quote unquote, ugly that you can't look at them without going mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is weird. And of course, now we've got a Medusa coming into Prodigy, right? So yeah, yeah. That an interesting connection. And then, of course, 
her um, her claim to fame is that she came back on the Next Generation for season two when when Gates McFadden left under strange circumstances. To this day, people aren't sure if she was asked to leave or if she got fed up and left on her own. But um, Pulaski was the doctor for second year. There's a lot of talk about Pulaski. A lot of people really dislike her. I didn't dislike her, dislike her so much, but she didn't work for me because she was such a kind of a McCoy clone. And I, I, as I've looked at it more, I kind of like her more, but I do wish to a certain extent Diana Moldar had been allowed to really establish kind of her own character on the show, but she was only there for one year. Um, yeah. I, I don't know if she's handled much in the novelizations or anything like that, but um, absolutely a significant person in Star Trek history. Mm-hmm. 1924, just two more. William Marshall was born on this day in 1924. Okay. Yeah. William Marshall for Star Trek Connection, of course, is Dr. Richard Daystrom. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Who guest starred in one of my favorite episodes of all time, which is The Ultimate Computer. Yeah. The man who had, who had invented the, the duotronic units that were used by a lot of Starfleet technology, created a computer that he basically grafted his own engrams on, M5, which turned psycho. Uh, absolutely great episode. It's got it's got great drama. It's got some good human interests. It's a classic Star uh, Star Trek tale because Daystrom's goal is to have a computer so intelligent that it can run a starship and humans aren't needed. So that's right. a, <laughs> a, yeah, that's a standard Star Trek episode that um, I, I just love. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, also speaking personally for me, back in the day, seeing it, it was really cool back in the day to see a, a man of color who was spoken of as one of the most brilliant people in history. And that episode mm-hmm. spoke of him in the same breath as Einstein mm-hmm. and some others. And then of course they, they made up some, some a couple of cool people. Yeah. So just a fantastic actor also played for those who might know um, in the horror movies, Blackula, yep. which are some of, <laughs> That's my, right. some of my favorites of all time. Good and stuff, I'm, man. Yes. Yeah. And though I never watched the show, but he also was the king of cartoons in oh. PB's house. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. right. I did watch that, but not not in a while. <laughs> yes. So quite a quite a versatile actor. 1952, August 19, Jonathan Frakes was born. Hey. Right. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who would have known all these Star Trek connections? So what can we say? Will Riker. And we'll be talking a little bit. Uh, there's That's one of those, as Marvel Comics says, enough said. What do you need to say about <laughs> Jonathan Frakes? Actor, right. director, all around nice guy. And uh, we're going to be talking about him because of what we saw in Lower Decks yeah. today. Yeah. There's and a lot then, of him coming up tonight. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And then the ultimate enough said, what is there to be said? 1921. This was the birthday of Gene Roddenberry. Wow. Uh, who? Yeah, right. I, some some little known homeboy from my state of Texas, El Paso, Texas, Gene Rottenberry. Um, you know, what do you say? The great bird of the galaxy. I think that um, we're here because of Gene Rottenberry. We have these great franchises because of Gene Rottenberry. And I, what I find really interesting is we have all these debates nowadays about, well, people, people hate Picard. People hate Discovery. People don't like this. People don't like that. I personally don't like the Abramsverse movies all that much. But what I find very, what's great about Roddenberry is like someone like George Lucas is they created a platform that everybody can build on and you're not going to love everything. You're not going to like everything they do. And frankly, some of the stuff Gene himself did, not everybody liked. Um, I think that a lot of people who've caretaken the franchise since Gene in some ways did a better job, honestly, than Gene may have done. Just like with George Lucas, some of the best Star Wars stuff was not written by George Lucas, but at the end of the day, this is the man who had an idea, an idea that was insane in the 60s, 
a science fiction show that wasn't for kids, a science fiction show that was talking about real life issues, a science fiction show that had women and people of color on it, a science fiction show that in the midst of Cold War and people literally worried about nuclear war said, we're going to get through this thing and we're going to be a better people in the future. So just big ups and big props and thanks to Gene Roddenberry, the great bird of the galaxy. Yeah, it's been, uh, you may have already said this, but yeah, as, as we're recording this, it's the 19th. Mm-hmm. And so Facebook's just been full today of, mm-hmm. yes. you know, people talking about him and sharing memories and inspirational quotes. And it's pretty exciting. And the thing about Gene Roddenberry to me is, I mean, he, you know him for Star Trek and, you know, his sort of persona in the years after Star Trek. But I mean, going back before Star Trek, he was just an exceptional television writer. Right. Yes. I, I was rewatching in the past year a lot of Have Gun, Will Travel, which is one of my favorite shows. And Gene wrote like 30 episodes of Have Gun, Will Travel. Yeah. Episodes like uh, there's one called Episode at Laredo, uh, Monster yeah. of Moon Ridge, uh, The Hanging Cross, just really exceptional and because you, you don't think that much of joy of, of gene as a writer because right, yes. you know his, his star trek scripts the ones that he solo wrote aren't among the best you know what i mean uh, exactly but exactly. um he really knew what he was doing you know <laughs> yeah. yeah and there was the announcement today that a documentary is in the works yeah on oh, the life right. of gene roddenberry was it a documentary or like a like a bio picture I wasn't clear on that. Oh. I saw the headline, but I didn't really dive into the article. I didn't get to read it. Yo, that may be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool too. Yeah. That's um, that'll be very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, with any biopic, um, there's always these questions of how deep and real you're yeah. going to get. So there's mm-hmm. some interesting stories and, and, in and how skewed and how skewed it's going to be. Yes. You know, Absolutely. do you do you uh, smooth out the negatives and you know bump up the positives? Right. 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 You know, because, you know, that that queen biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody, that was so accurate. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was a fantastic movie, but not exactly accurate. But that's not its job. It's not a documentary. It's not its job to be, you know, it's there to be fun. Right. Exactly. And tell them the story and yay, queen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good point, Alan. We don't need saints. We just need real people. And I think that's what James always talking about was that we're not perfect, but we keep trying. Mm -hmm. And that's all for this week in Trek history. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Uh, We'll take a quick break to promote our fellow ESO Network podcast shows. And when we come back, we'll be into our discussion topics. So stay right there. Laboratory. Dr. Geek here with another reminder that the ESO Network is pro-science and pro-vaccine. We urge you to be a superhero and protect yourself, your family, and your fellow geeks around the world. Don't be fooled by the forces of evil and their anti-science misinformation campaign. Consult the latest CDC guidelines, your doctor, and get the COVID vaccine today. We're the Con Guys, coming to you straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California. We are your home for news, opinions, and interviews from the world of Comic-Cons and fandoms. Your ultimate insiders for all things... All right, and we're back. And spoiler alert, because today we're talking about the second episode of Star Trek's uh, Lower Deck Season 2, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. (laughs) 
And and be- before we get too far into <laughs> Sorry, it, I, just I gotta to laugh. <laughs> dedicate this episode to the memory of the giant Spock clone on Phylos, who Thank died you. too soon. Um, ah, I hardly yes. knew you Spock too, but <laughs> I was really disappointed when I saw it because I was really hoping he would come back in lower and, decks. And we were talking about that. Yeah, I thought we were not too yes. long ago. We, we, we talked were. about how cool it would be to see that again. And yes. we now have seen it again yeah. on lower decks. Yeah, not, not the way talking. we expected. No. <laughs> while, while I would have loved for him to come back, just the image of that giant Spock skeleton suspended in a room full of dinosaurs was just amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but oh, that was I, fantastic. This episode gave us a lot to unpack. Oh, man. Um, it was so full of stuff. It really was. Um, so I guess starting off, you know, we we got to see the sonic showers. Right. And, and, and Boimler's <laughs> been, you know, his position's been filled by uh, Ensign Jet Manaver is his mm. name. What, what a name, Jet. <laughs> I mean, we already have a jet. We don't need another one. Hey, yeah, who'd have known? We have two characters named Jet in Star Trek. Yes. Maybe he was named after Jet Reno. Well, that's a possibility. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. And they've sort of they sort of retconned Jet because he was a lieutenant last year. At least he had two pips. We thought he had two pips. No, he just had corn. That's corn. right. <laughs> and, pip and I kind of feel I kind of feel like that was not just a jokey bit at the end. That was actually meant to be an explanation. Oh yeah, for absolutely. Oh yeah. I yeah, think yeah, it yeah. was both because there was also yeah. uh, I know um, Mike McMahon has talked about because you know the way they make the animation. There's so many layers to keep up with, and those pips are like the the final layer. So if you if you have the pip layer turned off, somebody has the wrong number of pips. And, and and like they spend a lot of time trying to keep up with everybody's individual pips because those are individual elements in every scene. And they're not a costume that's attached to what the character is wearing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I hate to admit I didn't notice that the pip. I did not notice that y'all said that. Well, I was. It's funny because last night before we we hadn't seen this yet because it came out today. But last night I was showing Veronica screen caps and I was like, "Look, he's an ensign now, but he was a lieutenant last year." <laughs> uh, but it turned out they addressed it, so it was. Yeah, I love time. that. I thought that was so clever. Yeah, uh, but he's not getting along so well with Mariner, which I loved their storyline in this one. Yeah, um, and it, I had sort of the same experience with uh, the episode "Much Ado About Boimler" last year, where I, as it was going yeah. along, about halfway through, I had criticisms of how it was going, but then it turned out that was part of the episode. <laughs> and one of my criticisms this week was sort of the way Mariner was being portrayed, mm-hmm. but. They, they, they address it in the episode where she admitted that she was wrong. And it sort of reminds you that these characters are incense, you know, like you sort of expect her. She's the lead. You expect her sort of in the captain role, like she's going to save the day and everything. But it's, it was it was pretty refreshing to me watching these two incense sort of argue about who's in charge and, mm-hmm. and then coming up. with Oh, you know what? Why are we in charge? <laughs> you know, like we're, we're doing this <laughs> wrong. And I love that they had to turn to Tindy and Rutherford. To, like, yeah. yeah. I loved seeing those two cast in a, in a different role. Yeah. Yes. In a different mission role. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, exactly. And but I, I felt like, I felt like this was a good character growth episode. And mm-hmm. this episode really gave me like, uh, I, I sort of felt like this one was about episode four or five in season one, you know, mm-hmm. like it took that long to get to that point right. in the first season. And here we are at episode two. And I felt like this is so solid. Yeah. You know, it's like firm foundation kind of episode. And there was, it was just great. Absolutely. I was uh, before the show, Alan, I was telling them that I, I, I hope I don't make a habit of this, but I backed up and watched the first episode. Then I watched this one and I was saying, I hope I don't make a habit because by the end of the series yeah. run, I'll be watching like 10 episodes. I know exactly. But 
but back to back, I enjoyed the first one, but I like yeah. this one so much better. This yeah. one was this one was so densely packed. I was stunned that was a 25 minute episode. How they yeah. managed to do that. I it's just I mean it was it was just nothing wasted. They did the Titan, which I just love. They mm-hmm. did um they did the whole thing with uh, with those with Jet and Mariner. And then they even had the little side thing about the captain, like that one scene where she says Am I a micromanager? And right. I'm not, I'm, everybody on the bridge, look, everybody's <laughs> eyes look. Yeah. <laughs> it's just great. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> I thought that was just, I thought it was, I thought it was really fantastic. And yeah, I've, I've said before, it's really weird. Mariner is my least favorite character and I don't dislike her, but just every now and then the irreverence and the whatever she has, it's just a little much for me, just a little mm. much. But to your point, the way she had to eat a little humble pie today, I, mm-hmm. I kind of liked her character a little bit more. And I liked it when like, she said she and Jet, and he was saying that, and she basically basically said, I thought you were a suck up. And then <laughs> she was, well, you're not. And then they both had to cooperate together. And I'm just, I think what I'm going to take from this is so funny is who knew, how did you know that if you rub excalbium bones, they will turn to acid? I mean, that's some deep science, right? Well, there. That's why you turn to the scientist and ask what we should <laughs> right. do. <laughs> and i love that bit where they said why didn't you say that before and like well you guys were in charge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and clearly the two that were in charge weren't uh even acknowledging the other two very much right much less right. giving them enough time to give input into the mission yeah. they were making the decisions and arguing with each other about which decision they should follow yeah and trying to yeah. one-up one, one another yeah yeah you're quiet veronica yeah yeah what's all that about i don't know did you watch Lower Decks this week? I did. <laughs> did, you like did you think? Some crazy person got me up at 4.55 this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you like it? I, I did. I really, I love that there was a puppet in it, first of all. Oh, I was going to bring that oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you guys can start puppet therapy now. Yeah. Yes. yeah. We're, we're already planning a cache on puppet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to carry around. And I've ordered awesome. the Lower the lower Decks, like, t-shirt uniform mm-hmm. things. So, um. But but the the collector's uh, room was my favorite part. Oh my gosh. And just seeing all that, like, uh, I know that, that someone's going to, like, freeze frame and go through all this stuff and where it is, and Chuck's probably going to do it later. No, um, I, did, I didn't do that this afternoon at all. <laughs> Someone right. did that. That's why it took me an hour to watch it. <laughs> I, I did pause it and quiz you, because you, we just <laughs> talked last week that you had just watched Where No Man Has Gone Before. To see if you could identify the SS Valiant probe. <laughs> I could not. No. No. Oh, awesome. Nope. I even nope. made the little beep beep noise. And she did. <laughs> nope. So you said, Veronica, you said you liked the collector's room. Was it what was it just all of it? Was there something specific in there, like that person in the bed? <laughs> just everything. You're like, ooh, 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 look at that. And then there's that. And it, everything was going by so quick. Um that even because we watched it a second time this afternoon or i watched a second time i don't know how many times chuck watched it i watched it twice today um but just seeing something different the two times i've watched it not not, not different but new that i didn't notice last time so just all the stuff five years from now we'll probably watch this episode like oh i never even saw that thing because there's so much stuff in there yeah the alien the alien in the bed was that a binar 
I couldn't tell, but there was a whole a painting on the wall with somebody in bed with the sheet up, and like it was supposed to be a suggestive. It was a bluish looking person. I couldn't tell. I don't, are, are you talking about that painting that Captain Picard? Because there was a, a Captain Picard was painting one time, and Data was critiquing him. And I think mm -hmm. that painting is in this collection. Ah, ah it's, it looks like a it's a person in a bed. They got a sheet over them, and they look okay. like they're bald and bluish. And it's on the wall behind them. It. it looks Maybe. like a woman. It looks like it's a suggestive picture of a woman, and you know, kind of mm. lounging. Bed. I yeah. couldn't tell and I couldn't get a good angle to see. It almost looked like a binar, but I don't know. Maybe it was um what are the people who like there's a barber on Enterprise and they're blue? That's what dark. I was just thinking. A barber yeah. and they always the put those white like the around. Yeah. 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 I couldn't tell if that was it, but I did notice there was that. There was a pair of sneakers. Uh, yeah, I, I was wondering about that. <laughs> is that a back to the future thing? I know, right? What is that all about? There was a unicorn. Yes, like yeah, the unicorn went by. Yeah, there was a, a there was a drum a set. <laughs> really? I don't know what that's all about. I'm just I love seeing it. Yeah. I saw well, it's, it's, it's really behind other characters. You don't get a clear okay. picture yeah. of it. That, okay. That headset from the game was in there. Yes. Oh crap. <laughs> Sorry. Dude, I, we can spend the whole episode know. just talking about the yeah. items that we yeah, saw. Absolutely. I don't know what's wrong with me when she she and she put it on the head and I and I something was wrong with me because I literally was like, what is that? How is it possible <laughs> I didn't identify that? That's there amazing. Was, there was a there was a uh in a case in the back of a scene, there was uh -huh. a like a head figure sculpture kind of thing that looked like it had the visor that data would wear during poker games. Mm. Is that what yeah. that was? It may very well have been. I wondered. And then there was <laughs> there was the whole thing, the, Ch the Chateau Picard that mm -hmm. we saw. That was really obvious. I thought that was pretty funny. And I think I saw a salt vampire in the back. Oh, yes. yes. You absolutely yeah. did. <laughs> yes. yes, you did. Well, and it's such a brilliant uh, conceit because the idea yes. of these collectors comes from the next generation. Right. But for a show that you know, really relishes callbacks and things. You can just cram as much stuff as you in there as you want. Right. And, it's, and it makes sense. It's part of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was weapons on the wall and I should know the name of it, but there was the bladed weapon that Spock used to cut Kirk's chest in the a Lerpa. Right, yeah, right. Lerpa. Thank you. Yeah. That was on the wall back there. I, I didn't see an on wound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And, and to the plot, I mean, as a plot point, you have the uh, dead Excalbion and the remains yeah. of, of, Lincoln? New Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> <laughs> which was weird. Oh, no, I saw that, and I didn't okay, now you're doing it. It's not just I, me. Yeah, I didn't click. Oh, but yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, it's insanity, but it makes sense. It does because <laughs> because I thought that the characters were other Excalbians that they just transformed. So I didn't expect there to be a Lincoln body left behind. But yeah, yeah, the the, the hat and everything. The hat and everything. That's right. <laughs> Right. I saw the hat and I was like, what is up with that hat? But now that makes absolute sense. Yeah, and, Chuck made me watch that episode this past week. Yes. It's like, why is there Abraham Lincoln? What the Be heck? Because it was in, the, I found that freeze frame in the in the trailer and I was like, well, you need to watch the Savage Curtain so you know. Oh, <laughs> but apparently you needed to have watched all of Star Trek this past it, week to yes. get ready. <laughs> watch all of Star Trek to prep oh, for this gosh. one episode. So speaking of uh, key episodes that one would need to see for this episode, yeah. Let's talk about our new security officer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. man, that was that's going to be a really okay. So he gets turned into a puppet, right? Which was <laughs> fun for you guys, but I was like, this better not be the only episode that he's in. Like he better not <laughs> die. Right. You better not tease <laughs> me with this Tamarian. <laughs> <laughs> but what did you think of of him and him going back from his own language through the UT and him saying, "Oh, I, I'm not really good with." 
universal or uh, yeah. Federation standard yet. What did you <laughs> right. think of him? I really liked it a lot. I wish they had more references that weren't from the original episode. Um, there was only one that I remember. There was a few in there. There, there were, were yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it makes more sense. You can't have him just speaking to Marion phrases all Correct. the time and right. convey the information he needs to convey in the bridge to do his job. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But I like that he would, uh, he'll forget the word and say, oh, 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 yeah. y'all walk a lot on the ocean. Like, you mean work together? That's right. <laughs> you know, I, I love that. I thought that was great. But the, the thing to me is that the universal translator is able to figure out what he is actually trying to convey. And I mean, when it's just like, you know, a greeting or something, that's one thing. But when he's trying to do a mission report mm -hmm. and he's speaking in absolute metaphor and the computer has to, you know, figure out that he's trying to say whatever. I just think that's going to be an interesting uh, yeah. thing that can get developed this season. So I wasn't clear on if he was actually speaking federation standard or if he was using a universal translator well he, he made reference to he, both yeah That's yeah yeah he mentioned the universal translator and that it has trouble with the tamarian but then yeah. he's he mentioned he's speaking federation standard yeah. right so it, to me i don't know if the if the universal translator can pick up the tamarian at all or if it's just, mm -hmm. or if he's on his own or maybe that was their explanation right. for why <laughs> you know um right but I, so he, I love him going back and forth. Yes, absolutely. He's going to be a great character. Yeah. This is funny because I know I'm usually the guy who gets into the science and reality of who it. Who you know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but with the Temerian, to your point, you just have to go with it. Because yeah. to your point, oh, Alan, sure. Because to your point, there's realistically the UT shouldn't be able to translate what he's saying because it would just be words and it doesn't mm -hmm. understand context. You know, exactly. the whole thing, like you said, so it right. kind of doesn't make sense. Right. I kept at first I was going, but wait a minute. If the UT can translate anything he's saying into words, then it has to understand the context, in which case it shouldn't make another. I got it. I just give up. It's it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> it, and it, it was so it was so funny, I thought. And I loved it at first when one thing they do with um with um Mariner that I like is she's always got this expression. She's always basically rolling her eyes at people. Like when they kept saying that Boimler was probably having a great time on Titan, you kept looking at her and she kept rolling her eyes like, oh yeah, whatever. And when Jet was first talking to the Tamarian and he was basically speaking in his his language for a minute, right. she was rolling her eyes like, oh God, suck up much. <laughs> oh, that was, <laughs> that was one of my favorite parts. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to be a great addition, and I, yeah. I do hope. I hope a bobblehead or a puppet come, or an actual doll comes out of him as a doll. Mm -hmm. uh, and I and uh, I I love yes. it when the I love it when the doctor who I just love said, "This isn't my first guy turned into a doll. He'll be all right in an hour." <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's and that's two weeks in a row where you have a crewman in sick bay. One turned into a god, and got a boulder dropped on him, and then the other turned into a puppet. And both times she's like, "Yeah, yeah, I've seen it I before." <laughs> She is sort of the Jet Reno of this yeah, show. Yeah, she's been and around I, the block a few times. I just absolutely love her. <laughs> this ain't my first puppet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't say puppet, though. I was very disappointed in that. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. She's not a doll. I thought that was funny. Yeah. And what did you guys think about, I forget his name, the rival collector, who was such a, oh, uh, gosh, he was right out of just any kind of bad movie. The, I mean, the way mm -hmm. he talked and everything. Mm -hmm. like yeah. He's like I the standard was... generic bad guy. Exactly. I mean, he all had a New York accent the way he yeah. was talking. Yeah. <laughs> Use guys. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> but I mean, that's not any less realistic, I guess, than a, a British accent. You know, I, I saw someone yeah. online say, hey, how come he had an, a human accent or Earth accent? And I was like, they <laughs> all have all the aliens have Earth accents. <laughs> Thank you, <right>? That's funny. <laughs> that's a wow. good point. 
Yeah. yeah. Watch TV much? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. well, what would me- be an alien accent? Will we be able to understand that? Well, I guess we'll find out in Prodigy when we hear um, the little blob guy sp- speaking. There you That'll go. That'll be yeah. an alien accent. That's true. That'll totally. be an alien accent. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Well, meanwhile, while this was going on, we're, we're cutting over to the Titan. Ooh, and we got more yeah. Titan this week than we've got um, so far. I really did. I mean, I thought we would get, you know, about this much, but I, this was a lot for yeah. the second episode. I was I was really, really glad to see it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, well, how did we like the Titan? Loved it. I, like, uh, Keith, I know you were excited. <laughs> well, yeah. <about> today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I love animation just because I love animation. I truly love animation because of colors and how it looks. Yeah. And the those quick battle sequences with the packlids were just phenomenally it was beautiful and then the yeah. ship was mm-hmm. this little thing it was doing a loop-de-loop and the photon torpedoes came out i played that battle scene three or four times in a row mm. uh, yeah they, I, they really yeah. made the titan look spectacular oh yeah they did. holy moly and the packlids weren't in little battle harpies this week no. they, were, they had a yeah. big old like warbird looking ship right on yeah well, that's the thing. Is this going to be a is this going to be a theme by the end of the show? Are they going to be in like in a board cube or something like that? Well, they, <laughs> absolutely. They dropped hints in this episode that there's somebody behind the pack leads. Like there's somebody else involved. And we got because uh, that's that's that. what their mission to the mining planet was was to try mm-hmm. to track their shuttle and find out who was helping the pack leads. So yep. I think that's a big thing that oh, we're yeah. going to find out over the course of the season. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. That's a good point. But I, I love them. I thought I love the action. I was laughing, and I again, I saw. I pretty much watched the show back to back twice, right, in one sitting. Mm-hmm. And I just, I and I kept freezing things like everybody on the bridge in the battle. Everybody on the bridge had this look of grim determination, and/or was smiling, except for Boyman. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because <laughs> yep. he's again. he's out of his depth, man. <laughs> yes. Even that. Guy, even a weapons guy. He says. Sir, photons locked and ready. And he was he was excited. And Riker grins and goes, fire. Uh, it was just, it was great. It was fantastic. It was funny watching Boimler try and keep up with them on the away mission uh, and, and try and be a tough adventure guy because yeah. uh, he is not. Well, it, it's really a commentary, too, about the, the two sort of different versions of Star Trek. Exactly. Where, yes. I mean, you've got that. And I've, I've seen clickbait articles already saying that Lower Decks condemns, you know, Kurtzman era Trek, but it it really wasn't. Is that that sort of no. tough, like tough as nails Star Trek? It goes back to the nineties, and when you had First Contact, and the Defiant, and the Dominion War, mm-hmm. where, you know these sort of action packed big battles and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. it, but then you also have Star Trek that's teaching an android how to tap dance. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and, and, and so right. and I think it makes sense in universe that these. I mean, these Starfleet officers probably would have come of age during the Dominion War, and maybe they've spent their entire careers having awesome battles and mm-hmm. you know just being tough guys and they never had that you know enterprise d type experiences i thought it was interesting that they that they have a tough time picturing riker on a ship like the enterprise d in a string <laughs> yeah. quartet where they think of him as this sort of tough battle guy yeah but i, I love right, that Boimler, right five <laughs> centers. i love that boiler brought it back around and was like I love the dorky things about Star Trek. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I would love a string quartet. <laughs> right. And I, and to your point, I like it even more that that incredibly fierce crew respected Boimler. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. and the same thing with Mariner and Jet. The same thing was the action dive in first kind of um, mm-hmm. leadership. 
needs um, it needs being offset by thoughtfulness and scientific knowledge. And to your point, Charles, that's really what the whole thing was with Kirk, because there are so many people who have who don't know Star Trek original series a lot who think that Kirk was only just the action guy. You hear right. Kirk Boo, the flying two legged kick and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but to me, Star Trek was always about the balance of those two. Those, those mm-hmm. two. You know, as also you had McCoy representing his emotional side, Spock representing his uh, more logical side. So I agree with you. I thought it was a Star Trek message. I didn't yeah. see it. I didn't see it really thumbing at Kurtzman in them. I don't no. see. No, um, of course I saw it that isn't. online no. too. And people who say that kind of stuff are just yeah. wrong. Right. <laughs> and also right. wrong. Yes. <laughs> what, what did you say? Clickbait. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it is that. Yeah, it, it is clickbait. Yeah. But, totally. and, and I love that they were using the term boldly go like a, like a battle yes. cry where <laughs> yes. is like, no, to, to me, to boldly go is to, to, you know, make a diplomatic contact and find yeah. a peaceful resolution. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. But I, I love, but it. I love that, that these two different philosophies of Star Trek can still just coexist, you know? Yeah. And, and it kind of gets uh, embodied in a way in the last thing that happens in the episode mm-hmm. where Boimler gets Rikered. Yeah. <laughs> and, he's, and he's now split. I, I just, I mean, first of all, I absolutely loved that that came up in conversation with the, the away team. Yep. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was Thomas Riker and, and this happened and blah, blah, blah. And then it happened to Boimler. Yeah. And so now he is sort of the embodiment. There's one that stays on the Titan and is going to be best friends with Riker and they're going to chum up and buddy around and stuff. And then the other one gets to go back to his more comfortable environment, goes back home to the Cerritos and to his friends in the lower decks. I think it's great. And mm-hmm. I just, that was my favorite. I just loved that. I thought it was so funny. He's going to be William Boimler. <laughs> yes. I thought it was a little unfair that one of them had to be demoted to be transferred. I agree. And I don't see why that had to happen. Just sit him to the yeah. Sacramento. Right. But right. Uh, the plot wanted him to go back to. Oh, of course. Exactly. Of course. And they, he can't be a lower deck if he's like right. a lieutenant junior grade or whatever, you know, so. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting from what I saw there because he was a little sad to leave and you saw that the people who we thought were going to be the action people yeah. respected him. Mm-hmm. It shows that had he stayed and not been split, he would have actually adapted to that shit. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. I, wish, I, I do wish that he had had more chance to do that. Yeah. Me too. But then we wouldn't have the Cerritos crew and, you know, right. our whole, you know, title concept is out the window. Right. <laughs> and then something that occurred to me, I need to go back and watch all the trailers again, because there's certain mm. things that happen with Boimler in the trailers that I assumed would be a fantasy or a holodeck simulation. Like, for instance, mm. there's a big shot in the trailer where Boimler has been assimilated. So now I'm wondering if William Boimler mm. is going to have a run in with the Borg. Oh, like I was about got, to say, I hope they continue with William Boyd. Yeah, there's going to be a, they they're coming back to it. There's going to be a whole storyline with that. But now I'm I'm curious where they're going to go with it, because there's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, well, I definitely want there to be more of William Boyd, yeah. because that means we get more Riker. That's true. yes. That's true. yes. And I love the fact that they just completely bump up his uh, music lover side <laughs> in his command style. So I just love it. So what warp factor is he ordering them to go to? <laughs> A warp factor eight, of four, seven, six. five, six. Yeah. Are you just picking somewhere in between? Or right. I guess they know. Exactly. I'm assuming eight because that's where he ends. Well, you right. would think, but I mean, what are they waiting for him to finish the count to see what button to push? <laughs> yes. And you don't just go places at warp eight. Yeah, I guess not. I mean, that's like reserved for, we, you know, emergency. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta say, I did not see the Boimler split coming at all. Mm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. 
Rutherford did. I know. (laughs) How did you possibly predict that? It just seems like such a Boimler thing to happen. (laughs) I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, I thought that was great. (laughs) They they were kind of cold to Jet, though. I I, I I know. Jet just thrown out away from the table. I know. We got chairs in space. (laughs) Chairs aren't. The whole side of the table open. Exactly. Yeah, that was kind of crappy. But I'm exci- I'm excited to see where they go now that he's back. And hopefully this will be something that he's learned from. And yeah, like I said, I want to see what the ongoing storyline winds up with William Boimler. And are they going to face off? Are they going to team up? Or how is he going to be different when he yeah. gets back? Or when they I, wonder if, I wonder if we will see him, you know, anytime other than like in the finale. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be, I, mean, it'd be, I would think it's fun. They just... They used to do those cold opens where they had to have something random mm-hmm. happen at the start of the episode. Just start with William Boimler every time. Let's see what it's, you know, <laughs> he'll have his five o'clock shadow and his William. squint. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe next week they do that, but they don't tell you that it's William. <laughs> you assume yes. it's Bradward, but then he like something happens and Riker shows up or his right. uh, Titan crew members show up or whatever. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's the other one. <laughs> well, the uniforms are different, though. No, but he don't have to be in uniform. True. He could be coming out of the the, the newly established Sonic showers that we have now seen. <laughs> that's, true. that's that's true. I oh, that I loved great. that it took those miners about five minutes to oh, realize that Boimler was not a miner. He's like you are clearly Starfleet. Look at your yeah. soft hands. He is not good at at blending in. He can't hide his true colors. Yeah. Miner his, with heart of gold or his non callousy hands. <laughs> One thing I really like about the show is how they, how to your point, is they, you've seen, I've seen so many treatments where you, you people will do, you derisively say fan service, you know, and that's, mm-hmm. this show is all about fan service, but they, yeah. they weave it in a way where it works. And I just laugh. Like part of what Boimler did is he reversed the polarity. Well, it, 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 it just, it just kind of worked. And I just love stuff <laughs> like that. And then they did something else that was subtle, but you know, there's all these memes online. You can see where they've gathered Riker saying, what the hell, what the hell is going on? What the, well, in this episode, he said, what the hell several times kind of back to back and then so did Captain Freeman and I laughed about that because that is a thing you can actually go on YouTube and see where people have taken all the times where Riker will go what the hell is going on and then, and when they were talking about that he actually says what the hell is going on then when they said they couldn't beam them back he said why the hell not and so, <laughs> I thought little things like that was just so funny and I love his like you were saying Alan I love his chair stance the way he the way he stands, he's always propping his leg up on someone. Yeah. It's like a Captain Morgan rum commercial. It was, it was so funny. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a well-established fan joke, and they are yeah. not yes. going to let that pass no. by without addressing it. Well, he hasn't yeah. stepped over a chair yet. No, though, he has hasn't he? yet. He hasn't yet, but he will. Waiting for that. I love I love getting our uh, uh, good look in his ready room. Yeah. Where he's got not only his trombone, but a wall with like LPs displayed. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. He had a little model of an Oberth class ship on his desk. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. Romulan Ale. Romulan Ale. I saw the Romulan Ale. I mean, it's a show you have to watch frame by frame to yes. catch everything. Totally. And then you then you still might not. Because like Keith was saying, they just use the universe. Like you've got this entire exactly. Star Trek universe. You, you know, you don't have to just make something up from scratch every week. <laughs> right. One of the items that I saw in the collection, I swear, was Odo's bucket. That that may well be. I didn't oh, see I that, was, but you're probably I mean, I right. Could, I couldn't oh, think of what else it would be. And the other one was one of the uh, one of the Betazoid message things, you know, yes. that uh, Armin Shimmerman. Armin Shimmerman. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I did see that. And then the, the tip of that probe that that 
took that took Picard in the inner light or that zapped that. Oh, guy's, yeah. Like you can see the wing of it sort of hanging down in the background. Oh, yeah, that's right. So overall, great episode. Oh, yeah, I really, absolutely. really enjoyed it. It's yeah. solid. I liked here. it a lot. I think I did a lot for the characters. I mean, last week they're they're tying up loose ends and yeah. figuring out where the characters are now. Yeah. But this week, I thought they did a really great job of, like I said, not not just you know building the characters but also some commentary about what star trek mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. that i liked a lot yeah i like that it's not just a goofy fun funny show yeah that there's actual that th- these characters are treated like characters yeah i love it i agree thank you loved it it was a great episode so the sh- the street corn um <laughs> How how does that get around the ship? Do they just like carry street corn when they're walking around? Yeah, it's on a stick. So it, they just except, go to a replicator and walk around the yeah, sure, ship. But, but then it's called corridor corn. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I I hope they use the corridor corn some more. Uh, I expect s'more? to see someone. Yes, more. Um, I hope I expect to see random people walking in the hallways now with with corn. I, I'm going to get some for Dragon Con. Yes. Yes. yes oh my gosh but maybe we'll get maybe we'll get really lucky and there will be a street corn food truck yeah mm. hey that's a that's a business opportunity they needed a, yes. a show earlier in the year <laughs> get on this stuff right. i don't have time to start a food truck <laughs> okay so um one of the things we wanted to do this week was introduce a new segment that we hope to do on a weekly basis, just as a fun little thing. Um, it might not happen every episode because there might be weeks where we just have so much to discuss that we don't have time for this one, but we would like for this to be a fun thing that our audience can get involved with. Um, and we're going to call it at least for now, until someone gives us a suggestion for a really snappy title question of the week. So uh I put out a thing on uh, Facebook and asking people for um, suggestions for things that they can ask us. Uh, So I want to start with an example. Um, This is for everyone on our little podcast panel. What is your favorite Star Trek theme song and or title sequence? DS9. For both? Yes. Okay. I'm going to go season one original series. Okay. For both? Yes. All right. I'm going to go um, next generation, actually. Um, and I don't know if it's season three or four, but the opening theme song ends with more of a tr- little bit of trill, kind of an upward beat of the music toward the end. Uh, I think that's probably my favorite overall. Hmm. Interesting. Um, for me, uh, I- I'm a huge fan of the DS9 theme song and both the original arrangement of it and then the way that they redressed it uh, for the seasons four through uh, seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with the title sequence. Um, I love the way that they built it up, starting with season four, to make it much more action-oriented. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. However, I think, uh, compositionally, everything, I think that the best theme song is Enterprise. Hmm. I'm kidding. I'm okay. Kidding. <laughs> it's the only for the one button. that's like a, a song, song singing song. I, I will say you that. You can sing along to it better. I will I say that like I don't it. mind it. I, I, oh, like, actually, the, I, I like the I entire it. Enterprise opening. Oh, which is, is surprising. It is amazing. Like I'm the, I'm yeah. the guy on the, on the podcast that doesn't really like Enterprise, but I do actually like the, the song and the whole <laughs> opening sequence of the Enterprise yeah. titles. Yeah. Yeah. I, do too. Um, I, like I think my favorite theme song, though, is Voyager. 
Voyager's that's a great opening that's, sequence. And, and that but that title sequence is really, really well done. Yeah, it holds uh, the, up too. Yeah. The way that you know it flies over the ringed planet mm-hmm. and it's reflected yes. in the ice crystals. I used to have a friend um back in Florida years ago when all these shows were new shows, and she's somebody who like was really uh skeptical of anything new and and just not gonna accept anything new, you know. And uh, it took her forever to get on board with uh, Next Gen. So Voyager comes around and she's like, well, that ship just looks stupid. And <laughs> it's just dumb looking. And look, the nacelles are like flat across. There's no way that that ship could form a, a, a cohesive warp bubble. You know, like, <laughs> like she has any idea about, right. you know. Like there's a, a real thing as a warp bubble. Right. But then at the end of the uh, opening credits, when the, uh, the nacelles fold up and then they go to warp, she's like, Okay, that was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I just recently saw someone on YouTube that that calculated the size of that little planet with the ice rings based on Voyager and Okay. The planet was surprisingly small. <laughs> what an interesting expenditure of time. <laughs> so if anybody else wants to uh pitch us some questions, we would love to have you either uh message us through our Facebook group. Or you can email us at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. Yeah. So uh, I've got a list of questions that we will start on next week from some of our uh, regular listeners who uh, responded to my Facebook post. We'll get those starting next week. All right. Oh, and if anybody else has got more, just send them to us. Yeah, send them to us. That's exciting. This, this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Although I'm disappointed that Keith didn't sing that TAS music that he always sings. <laughs> I was looking forward to that. <laughs> are you, are you, mean, you mean the battle one? The battle yeah. when they fight? Yeah. Yeah. You got, I don't know. The, oh. one, the one that you do. When they go running? He does the one that he does. Uh, yeah. And then when they run, they, when they run, it's the weirdest thing in the animated series. When they run, they always start off like this. Their That's arms true. Like That's true. You know, the, the, the podcast it. listeners cannot see what you're doing. <laughs> Oh gosh, you're wrong. Okay, folks. Uh if you're old enough, yeah. If you've ever seen Popeye walking cartoons, I just <laughs> something like that with the elbows being thrown to the yeah. side. So close as you can get. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did we have anything else or is that it? That's it. <laughs> okay. All right. Alan, where can people find more of you on the internet? Uh, go to cosmicpress.com, K O Z M I C press.com. Did I say that right? K O Z, yeah, I did. K O Z M I C press.com. Uh, and uh, you can find Hulanta on Facebook, and you can find my YouTube uh show on uh, obviously on YouTube called Alan's Music Room. And how about you, Keith? You can find me on Instagram and also participating in all the ESO network Facebook groups. And how about us, Veronica? Feltnerdy.com, which leads you to our Facebook page. Yep. Yep. And if you happen to be at Dragon Con, we'll be at Dragon Con doing three shows. Yeah. And I don't know what else, but we'll be all over. Yeah. So come look all for us at Dragon Con. And hopefully we'll have a, a little Kayshawn puppet that we can walk around with and <laughs> yes! impress everybody. But we will. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, the clock's ticking. So we got we to build it. <laughs> All right, Veronica, so take us you- out, Veronica. Are you tired because you've been Arnock at the race in Natara through my mind all night long? <laughs> Good job. I said all night long. I added long. I know. Bit. <laughs> it just flows. Come on. I was going with it. Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating. 
You can also send us feedback at earthstationtrek at gmail.com. You can join in the fun on our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter. You can also visit us online at earthstationtrek.podbean.com. We'll see you next time. Live long and prosper. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.